I'll start with a nice word on Pasha's Bamidba. Right in the beginning of the Pasha, Vedabashem Moshe Bamidba Sinai. And the Pusa continues afterwards. See, as Rosh called us Bnei Yisroel. The Mishpachos Hashem is saying that we have to count Bnei Yisroel again. So Rashi explains, Mitoichi Busam Lufunav Moina Oisim Kolshu. Because Hashem loves Yiddish Kinder so much, He's constantly counting them. When they left Mitzrayim, He counted them. After the Masa Eigel, He counted them. Now after the Chenikas Hamishkan, Beichel Beir again, He's counting them. He's coming from loving Bnei Yisroel so much. So in Amuras Tahoris, Achshtifkeber brings a shiny word from the Gedum of the Tefillah of Moshe, quoting Rabbi Azgul Zetzoyva. Rabbi Azgul Zetzoyva said that we, that we find each person has those good times. Everyone has that good hour. Everyone has an hour where he's doing the right thing. Whether he's learning, he's davening, he's doing chesed, he's helping out, he's serving Hashem, he's thinking about Hashem. Everyone has everyone has those good times. Hashem, because he loves Yiddish, because he loves Bnei Yisrael so much, he's constantly counting those hours. He's constantly picking up on those on those good hours, those good minutes, those good times that a person has. Of course, everybody has other times as well. But when you love someone, you want to see the good in them. You pick up on those on those good hours that that uh, that this person has. So he says the lushim itoichi busam lefun of moina oisam kol shu. Because Hashem loves Bnei Yisrael, he's constantly counting those good hours, those hours that people are doing the right thing. I think this is a, a wonderful lesson um, to be able to see the good in other people. Very often the way it works is that we tend to see the good hours that we have ourselves. Everybody will notice the good things they're doing. Everybody will be able to tell you how many hours a week they learn or daven or help other people or are selfless and whatever kind of good behaviors they have. Um, but when it comes to the other hours, that's where we tend to notice less or we justify it based on how many good hours we already invested or, and things like that. We identify with the good and we notice the good. When it comes to other people, sometimes uh, we tend to do just the opposite. Somebody could be helping around the house, let's say, for five hours, but the sixth hour, when you weren't there, that was the hour I needed most. Where are you? You're never here to help me. And things like that. And it's, it's common. This is the way it is. You notice what's not good. It's very hard to pick up on the few things that are good, especially when they're even less than what you would have wanted, or less than the good, for that matter. And I think this is something we should learn from Hashem, first of all. Um, and just the, you know, just the... the the way it's expressed, when you love someone, this is, this is a lesson that we should learn from, when you love someone, you keep on counting and picking up and noticing and, and harping on and emphasizing those good hours and good times and good deeds that the person is doing. And very often when you focus on that and you see it, you, you attract more of it and it becomes um, much more identifying with the people that you love. You know, you're noticing the good in someone and talking about it, thinking about it, focusing on it, makes that person identify as a good person, both in your eyes and in their own eyes. And it usually um, brings about a, a lot more of that kind of behavior. So with that said, I'm going to read a question here. Sometimes I wish I could change more details, but you know, sometimes that's, that the whole question is, is based on the example given, and I hope that I won't be uh, offending anyone with that. Um, hi, Rabbi Gruen. Thank you so much for your very insightful, practical, and relatable shiurim. My husband and I greatly enjoy listening to them and discussing them. They provide us with a platform to discuss many topics and improve our shalom bias. Okay, wonderful, thank you. My husband has amazing Yerushalayim. I see it in the way he keeps halacha, follows the astoira, and feels good with himself when, he, when he's doing the Ratz and Hashem. He also has a healthy dose of Jewish guilt. He is an incredible husband, takes care of me and the children. He is Baksham very happy in full-time learning and makes sure to daven mincha amarav with a minion. The one area that my husband does struggle with is going to Shachras. To his credit, he makes sure to put on tefillin every day and damas at home. 
When we, when we were newly married, I had a hard time with it, especially since my father almost never misses Shachris, although I do have other family members that have uh, missed Shachris. And I harbored resentment towards him, but never said anything outright. I quickly learned that this was not that it was not beneficial um, to our marriage. I started looking for the positive ways to encourage him to go, such as asking him to have coffee with me early in the morning, because once he was up, he went to Shachris, or giving him a lot of encouragement and positive feedback when he did go. Acknowledging that I know it's hard for him and I admire him for going, making sure he knows that I don't think he's a failure when he doesn't go. I got used to him not going, which is good because there really are no hard feelings or embarrassment, and I have no trouble seeing his many positive traits at this point. Baruch Shem, with children and working, and life is busy. I don't have the time or energy to think of creative ways to coax my husband into going to chakras. Like I said, I also got used to him not going, and I guess it become it, be, it has become less of a priority to help him go. On the rare occasions that he does go, he doesn't get the same enthusiastic, positive feedback that he used to. And sometimes I feel resentment because certain days when I think to myself that if he doesn't go anyway, then at least he should, if he's up and he's not going anyway, he should at least watch the children so I can sleep a little. My job requires him to take the children in the morning. And, and some mornings, that makes the only chakras option for him is the early minion at nights. And, other, and, otherwise and sometimes nights is too late for that, for that even to be an option. When we made this arrangement, there was the unsaid words of, you don't go to Shachas anyway. I do, however, carry guilt for, number one, becoming numb to the value of him going, and whether he goes. Number two, not encouraging him to go. Number three, leading a lifestyle that doesn't allow him to go. Number four, coming to the point of resenting him, sometimes for even going. What is and what is not my responsibility in this situation? What can I do to help myself and my guilt? And of course, if there's anything, what can I do to help him? Thank you so much. Okay, wonderful question. And like I said, I, I would have changed the example if not for the fact that, you know, it's, it's just, it just adds a certain amount of clarity to the question. I hope nobody's in the mind um, hearing this discussed. So let me just start with my general feedback for the beginning of the letter, and that is that you discuss many topics of Shalom Bayez, uh, especially after hearing my, my shirim on this, and I think that's wonderful. I mean, aside from listening to my classes, which I think is wonderful, um, just kidding, I'm discussing these topics is great. And I know that many people tell me this, that listening to these classes or together, or reading my essays that people sign up for, and get... It, it brings certain topics to the table that could be discussed openly, uh, which otherwise might be a little more uncomfortable or unsettling, or, or the elephant in the corner, things like that. It's good to have the open discussion and communication. Now, of course, everything has to be done the right time, the right place, and of course, there are those few things that maybe shouldn't be communicated sometimes, but in general, communication is great, and, and, and having the opportunity to talk about these things is also wonderful. Aside from being consciously um, invested in trying to make Sean Bias better, that's another wonderful thing. So I, I would assume that even this question of yours only came about um, after listening to classes and hearing and thinking, and it brings about people to try to improve their relationships and themselves, which is a wonderful thing. A lot more to say on that actually, but but not now. Uh, another thing that I want to mention is that you start off your letter seeing all the wonderful things about your husband that you're writing here, and I don't think it's just because you're worried that he might hear the question one day, and you might, I hope not. Um, you're talking about his amazing Yerushalayim, um, and his wanting to do the Ratzon Hashem, being a good husband, taking care of the children, learning full-time, and, and, and when he does go daven, and things like that. It's it's wonderful. And I'm not just saying it as a compliment to you, I'm saying it because because that's how it has to be, and that's what people have to learn from. And that's really what I started off with as well, you know, noticing the good and picking up on the good and not having that, you know, that one little unpleasant thing, 
or may, or even more than one little unpleasant, not good thing, um, be the focus and identity of a relationship or a person or perspective. And there's the famous words of the I think about it often. We're asking Hashem to help us see the good in our friends, right? Um, and then it says, we shouldn't see the bad. In other words, we're not being naive and assuming there's only good to see, and I'm asking Hashem to open my eyes and, uh, and notice that there's only good. That's, that's not what we ask for. We ask Hashem to please help us notice only the good and see the good and not the bad. Which basically means that any person, every person, nobody's perfect, we all have our qualities, and we all have our shortcomings. And as much as maybe we should notice our own shortcomings, although we have to notice our own qualities as well, but when it comes to other people, we ask Hashem, please let me only notice the person's good parts. So the more you notice it, and the more you think about it, and the more that's what you see, the better off you are. And it's not because you're fooling yourself, it's not because you think there isn't something else, some other undesirables that you know might be there, it's because that's what you want to focus on. So I commend a woman who sees all the good in her husband, and now to the, to the practical um, question over here. What do I do with a husband who is not davening, not going to daven, not, not, whatever. Whatever, the example could be anything for that matter. Um, but in this case, it's davening with a minion shachrus. Uh, I'm not going to give all the other examples that could be. Let's, let's talk about this one. It's a good example. Right? The question is not if you have to go to Davin, you don't have to go to Davin. Yeah, of course you have to go to Davin. Um, the question is, what do we do when someone's not going? So let me just pick up on the different um, things I'm noticing here before talking about anything practical. In other words, let me just pick up on a few points which I think maybe uh, need help before talking about anything practical about how to do this. The first thing is talking about Jewish guilt. You mentioned that your husband has a healthy dose of Jewish guilt, and then you mentioned your own guilty feelings um, for doing or not doing what you should and things like that. Of course, there's such a thing as, as healthy Jewish guilt, which is helpful. It's not good when a person is too complacent and a person feels like, okay, I'm good, and everything's fine, and I'm I, away with this guilt. I went for therapy. I don't feel guilty anymore. Like the old joke about the guy who went for therapy because he was feeling guilty about all the things he wasn't doing uh, properly, and then when he came out of therapy, he was fine. He was able to continue doing whatever he wasn't supposed to do and not feel guilty about it. You know, obviously that's not that's not the point of getting rid of guilt. But you know, guilt has has it serves it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. When somebody's doing the right thing or they're limited in their options and they can't help themselves and they're feeling guilty, of course you want to get rid of that guilt. It's just eating you up. But if when and if guilt is helping you do the right thing, then sometimes it's good. If you're feeling guilty and not doing the right thing anyway, then maybe it's not even good to feel guilty. My point is just that the, the Surum talk about the difference between Atzvus and Meridus, for example, two words that are um, used interchangeably sometimes, mistakenly, for some kind of depressing feelings. When someone's down or depressed or not in the mood, you know, there's the Atzvus and there's Meridus. Now we know that the Surum talk about Atzvus being a bad thing and Meridus um, essentially being a good thing. Right? Somebody is regretting different... Uh, not good things that he did and he wants to achieve and things like that. that that's where we use the word meridus. But to understand what the difference is and, and how to identify which is atzvus and which is meridus, where is it just depression and guilt and regret that's no good and where is it healthy feelings that's making a person um, help himself and do the right thing? And one of the answers is that it, it all depends on the outcome. If you're feeling depressed that you're not serving Hashem properly, for example, you're not behaving the way you should be uh, in any area, and that depression is making you do even less of what you should be doing, because I'm anyway no good, and I'm just depressed, and I don't believe in myself, and my self-esteem is shot, and I'm no good, and I can't function, and I can't be successful, and you're going to do even less, because why try? That's called atzvah, that means you're depressed, and that's not a good place to be, and you should, you should get rid of that. 
No matter, no matter how bad you're being, it doesn't call for atzvus. It's not justifying to be depressed. If somebody is not feeling great about himself because he's noticing where he has to help himself, and those feelings are motivating him to try even harder and to not be complacent, not be happy, and not just, not just um, you know, assume that everything's okay, then those feelings are good. And, and one shouldn't say, well, I want to be happy. I don't want to think about what's no good. Well, you should think about what's no good to make, it, to make it better. So my point is just that if your husband is feeling guilty or you're feeling guilty, um, if it's not helping the situation, then maybe that guilt is just pulling everyone down and making everyone unhappy and not necessarily helpful at all. If it's a guilt that's going to be motivating all of us in the right direction, that, that, that might be the right thing. Um, another thing that you, you're not really mentioning much of, I just want to point out, um, or uh, forget about you, forget about the questioner. Let's talk about people that might be in similar situations. Sometimes we see somebody doing something, uh, it's a point where they got used to something or... I'm not, I'm not mentioning anything about it anymore. We make peace with it. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, okay, this person just made peace with it. He's okay with it. Sometimes that's what really gets on our nerves. Like, how could you be okay with this? It's not okay. You'd be surprised, but most often, like you're talking about Jewish guilt, most often somebody who's doing something they shouldn't do, even if they did get used to it, even if they did get used to it, uh, on some level they're not feeling great about it. The point is not to be upset why, why, they're, why they don't care. They do care. It's just very hard for them. Chances are they do care. Chances are that any, in any moment of truth or any moment of seriousness or any moment of cheshman nefesh, this is definitely one of the things that make a person feel bad. And it's just good to remember that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have that, that added um, negativity toward the fact that he doesn't even care. Chances are he cares. And I would assume that anyone learning full-time and has Yerushalayim and Davani Min Chamar Okay, just to put the profile in, in perspective, um, is very bothered by the fact that he doesn't Davani Shachat You can be sure. So it might just um, help you understand that. Now the fact that he got used to it and you got used to it, you know, listen, I'll talk about that. When a person does something they shouldn't be doing more than once, twice, three times, you get used to it. And the delusion that Chazal uses, Nas Lekeheter, it ends up becoming like something that technically is not even a problem anymore. Now the point is not that the person doesn't feel bad anymore. The point is just that it becomes easier unfortunately, to violate again. The first time you do something wrong, oh, you feel terrible about it. The second time, you feel a little guilty, but not terrible. The third time, you get used to it. That's the idea. You get used to it. Now, getting used to it is not a good thing to do, obviously. Um, getting used to it does maybe take off some of the edge of the of the actual, um, what's the word? Not the guilt, but, you know, Hashem definitely judges each person according to whatever challenge they have. Not a question. When somebody knows they shouldn't be doing something and they're doing it, um, Hashem might, might Hashem sees that as a bigger problem. I'm, I'm just quoting a Rambam. It's not my own idea, obviously. Um, then somebody who thinks you're allowed, or somebody who got so used to it that it's hard of him to overcome, because at this point, okay, so this is what I do. So the Uva Vashunin Aslekahetra, obviously, on the one hand, is teaching us we shouldn't do things and, and assume that we'll get out of it, because the more you get into it, the harder it is to get out of. On the other hand, yeah, the challenge becomes greater as time goes on, and this is just something to think about, and for you as well. The fact that you're getting used to it and feeling a little less guilty about it, you know, this is just this is what life is about. This is what Chazal teaches happens, and it's reason for people to avoid uh, making mistakes the first few times because eventually it's going to get harder to get out of the routine. Uh, one more thing that I just want to mention before I talk about anything more practical is is judging when it comes to judging other people. When it comes to judging other people, um, and, and again, you don't sound too judgmental, and you don't sound. I'm just mentioning the idea. 
And interestingly, I started by mistake. I'm preparing this week's shir on a different question, and I noticed that it was out of order. But uh, this came to mind, the idea of, of looking down at somebody because they're doing something wrong. And this is what I started off with as well. When you see somebody doing something not good, whatever it may be, and we all have things that are no good, all of us, but one that's shachris, with one that's menich, with one that's mayr, with one that's something else, with, you know, whatever, men, women, we all have things that we should be doing better. Seeing what someone else is not doing good and looking down at them, forget about, forget about judging them as a whole, that this is who they are and they're a problem, even, even, not, even just judging someone for not doing something properly, something that for me wouldn't be a challenge. Now, interestingly, just in this case, and there's something I spoke about a few times already, men and women are so different in this regard that it's not even possible to compare because you never go to shachas with a minion and you never did. So you'll never know what it means. You'll never know if you have a feeling for it or if you would be consistent about it or, or if you'd be going and notice that your friends maybe aren't coming or whatever it is. It's not even comparable in this case. But even if it would be something that is comparable, even if it's talking about saying tell him for a neighbor who's not feeling well and you say more and your husband says less and it's, it's harder not to judge someone because what's the big deal? You can't say two kapitach till him. I do. Even where it's something that you do and he doesn't. Still, it's so important to remember that, no, you can't judge someone else. And the reason is because, one of the reasons, and this room talk about this, you'll never know what someone else is challenged by. You'll never know what someone else is struggling with. You'll never know if you and his shoes would be doing any better. You never know how, how hard it is for him. It's not something we can know. It's not something anyone can know. Only Hashem. That's why when you come upstairs, only Hashem judges a person. And no one else, no malach, who can't understand exactly what a person was dealing with, um, what his strengths were, what his challenges were, what his shortcomings were, how hard it was for him, how much he tried, how much those few times that he was successful uh, were major accomplishments, and how much somebody else was doing the same thing, and it was a minor accomplishment. We can't understand these things. And the famous saying, um, don't look down at me because I sin differently than you do. Again, the point is not to, to say that it's okay, and let's be liberal, and everyone do their own thing, and everyone sin their own way. Chazvashulam. Uh, Everyone has to know that it's a Torah and we have to do things exactly the way we're supposed to. Each of us on our own. But to judge someone or see where someone's doing something wrong and get some kind of resentment or opinion about it, like, you, you should be doing that. It's not really so hard. How could you? Instead of realizing, okay, I, I realize now this is your challenge. It doesn't mean that you're justified or, or absolved from the responsibility, not that I'm judging you favorably, although the Surah teach that when you judge someone favorably, it does have an impression in Shemaim, but I will judge that person as well, by the way. But my point is just that whenever you see someone, whether it's a spouse or a child or a friend or a neighbor or a sibling or someone you don't know, and they're doing something that to you looks questionable or unacceptable or whatever it may be, especially when it's between that person and Hashem, it's important to remember, listen, I don't know how hard this is for you and it's not my business. Very important to remember that, just in general. Okay, so with all that introduction, let's get to something more practical. I was learning um, some Ramam this week, and the Ramam talks about how a person should avoid any extremes. Become the very well-known idea of the Rambam. A person should, should avoid extremes in almost everything. First he says in everything, then he gives a few exceptions. And when it comes to being arrogant or, or, or anger, that's where some, one should avoid it to an extreme. But in general, when it comes to almost anything, any attitudes he's talking about, any, any, any perspective, any attitude. No, you should avoid extremes. Don't go all the way to the right. Don't go all the way to the left. Don't be, don't be someone who's giving away all his money. Don't be too stingy and give nothing. Everything has to be done in moderation, you know, with a certain balance. Um, and it seems to me that you, not just, and forget about you, what, people, what happens often is people do go to a certain extreme sometimes, and then they like hit the wall, 
because you can't go to the extreme. So you go to the other extreme, and then they hit that wall, and then they get mixed up without realizing that there is a middle way. There's a balanced way of doing something, which in almost every area you'll notice that aside from being the healthiest way to do something, is the is the one that has the most potential to be long-lasting and beneficial and productive. In other words, when you go to an extreme, aside from it being wrong, it doesn't last, which is why people swing back and forth and they keep on, on hitting the wall and, 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 or falling off the cliff. It doesn't work. You can't do that too long. When you do it the right way, aside from being able to stick to it, it's also the one that's most productive and helpful you know, in doing the right thing. So it seems to me like you tried both already, actually, but I'm, I just want to describe them so that we could understand it better and apply this to any situation that we're dealing with. One option, one extreme would be um, to feel very guilty, to feel very guilty. Let's, let's first talk about the guilt, you know, Lamukum, the very guilt of a husband who's not davening every day in shul. That's terrible. Hashem would never handle, Hashem is not handling this, right? Hashem doesn't want this. This is a terrible thing to allow. It's, it's, so I'm feeling very guilty, which then goes into resentment. You're resenting your husband because how could you do something you're not supposed to? whether it's judging or just being upset or whatever, that, that's all part of the same way of dealing with it. In this, uh, Then there's the controlling part, where I'm going to make sure you go, because if I can't handle that Hashem's unhappy and I'm upset that you're not going, I have to make sure you go. Now, if I have to make sure you go, this becomes my responsibility, and that turns into a whole codependent issue, where I have to take responsibility if you go into shul. And this is all what I call one extreme. It's one extreme way of looking at something. It's a terrible thing that I can't handle allowing, so I'm upset at you for doing it, and I want to control you by it, and I want to take responsibility for it. That, that's quite extreme. And I, I, think, I think for the most part, all four of those points that I mentioned are, are not the way it should be. And the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't last. But, it's not, but even if it would last, it, 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 it's, not, it's, not the way to, it's not the way to deal with it. But let's first go to the other extreme. The other extreme would be, um, I couldn't care less. Right? You have those people who have that attitude. Listen, it's his life. It's his connection with Hashem. It's his obligations. There's nothing to do with me. There's that... Apathy. I just, I couldn't care less. Um, and then there's the apathy to your husband. I don't care how you're doing. I don't care what you're doing. This could be both in regard to how how much you're making Hashem happy or what you're doing with your own life or the decisions you're making. It's like a total disregard. Right? I don't want to be resentful, so I'm, I'm being overly accepting by not caring about you and about, about how you're doing. And then there's the part about not only not controlling it, um, but actually, and not only not trying to control, but actually enabling it, right? Because I don't want to take responsibility for you. So I might even be doing things that are making it worse and enabling because, because so what? So it's not my responsibility. So why should I even do anything about it? So not only won't I do something to help you, I'll actually do things that might even be detrimental and make it harder for you to run out and daven because it's not my thing. And I already made peace with it. And like that. So that's what happens when you go to an extreme. When you go to any extreme, you, almost always you come up with these kind of um, black and white and, and you'll, you'll have people who will suggest one or the other by the way you'll have those that will say that Ishak Shaira and whatever it is she should be doing she should be taking responsibility for her husband and, and, and Bonsa Baisa and you know, all those kind of attitudes and you have those that, that go the other way it's not your business and who cares again in general these are called extremes and instead of I'm going into detail about why they're wrong let, let, me, let me just try to offer something balanced which I hope will be the most helpful um, especially after trying the other ones. Whoever wants to try the other ones and see if they work. But let me, let me try to um, talk about a certain amount of balance, which I believe is, is toiletic and, and, and richtig and correct. Number one, like I said before, and this is just in terms of perspective, 
caring, caring. You, you should care. Let's talk first about the, just the spiritual aspect, which is more personal, right? You and Hashem. You should care what goes on in your house. You shouldn't feel terribly guilty when people in your house or people that you care about are doing the wrong thing. You're not responsible, so you shouldn't feel very guilty and you shouldn't get depressed when someone close to you is not the perfect person they should be, right? Even, even when you're not the per- per- perfect person, you should be, you don't have to become depressed over it. Um, but being depressed over the fact that something's not the way it should be and Hashem's not happy, you don't have to go to that extreme, but you should care. It should mean something to you. It should mean something to you that, uh, that Hashem will be happier when people around you, people that you could influence, and even people that you can't influence, that they're doing the right thing. You should, you should be happy when you see people doing the right thing. You should care. You, you, should, you should want that you and the people around you and people in general should do the right thing for Hashem. 100%. You should care about your spouse. You should care about your husband and your children, about how they're doing. You should care that they're successful, baruchnius and bagashmius. You, you should care about these things without being responsible and codependent. You should. Um, this is healthy. And you should be understanding of them. And you should be understanding um, and accepting of, of, of people around you and understanding and accepting of their challenges and not resentful and not, and not looking down at them. It's so important to understand. You know, someone's struggling with something. Um, this is not my challenge, it seems. I have my own. Um, I understand them. It doesn't mean that I justify it. It doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean that I give, the, I, I give encouragement to do the wrong thing. It just means that I care and I understand. And if you care and, and it, it means something to you and you do understand and you're willing to see what, what could I and what, what can't I do to make the situation better, that, that, that's a healthy attitude. I'm not responsible. I'm not codependent. I don't, I don't have to take responsibility for, for someone else's decisions. But without taking responsibility, I can still do something helpful. What could I do and what can't I do? What should I do and what should I stay away from doing? That might be a help. So what happens is, for example, um, let's see your husband, for example, has a hard time getting up to that. So you have a lot of good wives out there who wake up their husbands. You have a lot of good fathers out there who wake up their children. You have a lot of good people out there who are waking up other people and, and trying to be a help. What happens is, if, if you're okay with it, and it's doable, and it's workable, and it's all within reason, that's wonderful. This world is a very healthy place of interdependence where Hashem made that we each need each other, and, and very many people have to be woken up. And very many people need other help, and, and, and what other kind of support. Now, if something important comes up, and something important for you and your personal growth, or in your own life, or for your well-being, and you can't be there to wake someone up, and you're going to cancel that doctor's appointment, which you couldn't get because if I don't wake him up, he's not going to get up. That, that's where you're taking responsibility for someone else's life. That's where it's no good. That, that's where it becomes unhealthy. That's where it becomes codependent. That's where somebody's relying on you in a way that might be, might be even causing damage. I spoke about it this week in the Chel Mashiach, actually, about waking someone up and thinking that if you don't wake them up, they won't get up. My point is not the waking up. My point is that it's, it's healthy and normal and, and, and good when you care about people and you do what you could to help them. And you remember that it's still not your responsibility. You're doing it because you don't mind helping. And if it helps, and you can do it in a normal way, within reason, that's wonderful. And no reason not to. And unfortunately, some people, you hear this, these, these ideas people get in therapy, or I don't know where they get these ideas, it's not my thing, and I'm not going to do it, you can forget about it, I'm not going to... And people like, like resist um, being a help, resist being a spouse, resist being a partner, resist being... Uh, why? No, my therapist told me, I can't do this for you, this is your own thing. You know, I, I don't know where this is coming from. You're married to someone and you're specifically resisting um, helping them because my therapist said it's not good for me to help you. I don't know, is, your, is your therapist married? Okay. My point is just that, that it's, it's, it's good and healthy and preferable. 
to help someone and to want to help them and to care about them and still not feel guilty and not feel responsible and not look down at them and not take responsibility for them. And I think when you get that um, puzzle together, it, it brings about a certain healthy attitude that, that most often something you could stick to, most often something that will actually help someone, most often it will be something that could that could be long-lasting and, and, and things like that. So in this case, in this case, you know, to, to, to work out a schedule that doesn't allow him to go daven, even if he doesn't, and even if he doesn't want to, and even if he's not asking for it, I think that's already where you're actually doing something that's now not only enabling a problem, but you're actually uh, making a problem go on. That's something you want to stop. That's something you want to stop. I don't think you have to uh, wake up early for coffee every morning and take responsibility for him going, but if you're going to do something that, that's not allowing him you know, to do the right thing, that, that might be something you want to stop. Now, sometimes somebody will say, well, I don't have a choice. Well, you would have a choice if he would be going to Daven. So I understand that when he's not going, it's so much harder to work with that, you know, because at the end of the day, he's he's not going anyway. So there's something to think about. I think there's something you want to communicate to your husband about. I think you want to tell him very nicely, in a calm moment, um, you know, when this is not an issue and it's the most irrelevant that you could come up with, in a very, very understanding tone, say, listen, I know this is hard for you. I don't judge you for it. Um, If there's something I could do to help you with it, I could try. Not, not no problem, blank check. I commit my responsibility. Don't, don't, don't do that. But I could try. My pleasure to be a help. Um, this, this thing that we worked out, that you go in the morning, and then there's no option to do the daven, it's not sitting well with me. Again, it's not about you better. It's nothing about you. It's about me. It, it doesn't sit well with me to work out a schedule with our children, our family, and dynamics, uh, where it doesn't allow my husband to go daven. I, I, I don't feel good about it. What would, what would we do if this wasn't an option? Not to say there's no other option, it's easy to say that, but in most cases, of course, there's another option. Let's, let's try to come up with it. Again, this is for me to feel good about myself, not about you. If you go or don't go, that's your responsibility, it's your thing. But I don't feel good about working it out this way, and I'm willing to get up early and take the kids, if that's what I would be doing if you would be going to Daven. So I'm not doing it so that you go Daven. I'm doing it because that's what I think is the right thing to do in this case. Or I'd pay someone to take them, or I'd work something else out. i get a neighbor to take them, a carpool. Why would you want to set up a situation where... You know, you're not even allowing him to go. Now, again, I understand that it might be difficult. I understand that he's technically not going anyway. You know, so who you really... But, but, but I also understand that you're not feeling good about this. And I understand why. So if you want to feel better about it, I think you want to just do the right thing to allow someone to do the right thing. Or be there to help someone do the right thing without being responsible for them. Now, um, it doesn't sound like this has become a big source of conflict between the two of you. I don't know. But if it did or it didn't, make sure it doesn't. It's very important to always you know, keep things contained. This is an issue. It is what it is. It isn't what it isn't. This is not an identity. This is not how I see you. This is not what I think of you. This is not what we discuss a whole day. This is not how we interact with each other. This is not how much we love or care for each other. This is an isolated issue. And you want to deal with it in your own mind, in your own heart, and in general in communication. This is very isolated. When we talk about it, we talk about it. When we don't, it's not an issue. This is not who you are. And I don't start saying, well, why do you have to go to Mara if you don't go to Shachras? Or Don't mix and match and combine these things. Um, definitely not. Keep on seeing the good in your husband, like you started off with. Keep on seeing the Moina Oisim Kol Shu, which comes from Chibusan, because I think that's a wonderful thing. And that's very often what will help. And one more thing. Compliment any progress. Appreciate any progress. And I'm not saying it again because it's your responsibility you know, to get him to do the right thing. You're a Mashgiach Nishiv who's looking for the way to get him to do it. And I'm teaching you that by complimenting the progress, it's going to happen. No. There's a general idea I talk about often. When something's no good, 
however not good it is. And it starts becoming better, however better it becomes, even just a little bit, make a big deal about it. In your own mind, in your own brain, and when you communicate about it, that's wonderful. You woke up to Davin twice this week, it means a lot to me, I appreciate it. That's it. And appreciate it. Well, two times, what's two times? No, whatever it is, appreciating and respecting and, and, and uh, complimenting any progress, any, any, any small amount of, of progress, is usually what makes things happen even better. So, when we see the good in each other, we respect each other, we don't get overtaken by guilt, especially when it's out of place, we just use it to help us do the right thing, and without going to any extreme, we're there for each other, we try to help each other. We can all overcome difficulties. We have two people working on one difficulty, together, helping. You see, let me just throw this in. Codependency means that I'm trying to overcome your difficulty, aside from the fact that it's not my responsibility, aside from the fact that I'm so limited in how much I can control your difficulty, Aside from the fact that trying to focus on your issue takes away focus of myself on my own issues, again, it's only one person against one challenge. So it's not much stronger than you could have done on your own. Uh, when you have two people working to overcome one person's challenge, a joint attitude, a joint unified effort to overcome a challenge, and two people are working together with it, and where one person has a difficulty, the other person's filling in, and together we're on the same page and, and, and being there to help instead of saying, deal with your own stuff... That's what marriage is about. That's what Shalom Bayes is about. And like that, we can live together. Bahava Arma Shalom Bayes.